Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, um, this morning we're going to go ahead and get started. We're kicking off a new series. We're going to be spending the next four weeks uh, looking at a, and breaking down a passage of scripture. Um, but if you came prepared to give, we've got boxes in the back. We've got digital giving and all of that. We're still not passing any boxes. Um, I know that, um, you know, some things are changing um, in our state. You know, uh, Wednesday, things are beginning to, to shift. Um, and so just as your pastor, can I, can I just kind of pastor us on this right quick? Um, just because there are some legal changes taking place, um, we as people, as the people of God, um, ought to be mindful and loving first and foremost on every front. Um, I get it. Um, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is asking you um, to, to uh, not wear a mask for whatever reason, if the Holy Spirit's prompting you to wear a mask, um, but let's choose to be people um, who just round up on each other, who are good to each other, who are good to strangers, uh, who are good to people who work um, in with the public in retail and at restaurants. So let's just choose to be good to people and, and be kind to people as we transition this. Every time there's a change, it makes people a little uncomfortable. So we can be a settling force just by loving the person we're looking at. And if we'll just love the person we're looking at, man, it'll change so much. So let's just do that, okay? We can walk this out together if we'll just love the person we're looking at. And move on from there. And that is what I got to say on that. And so, um, um, but anyways, as we are kicking off, we're going to do a series on immeasurable. And as I'd had this passage of scripture that I wanted to look at, and I went through multiple titles. um, And some of them were more awkward than others. And we finally just landed on immeasurable. But what we're going to be looking at, um, we're going to be looking at the love of God. And, you know, before you begin to go, I know I've heard all sorts of messages. I've been in church a long time. Um, Or maybe you're new to church. Um, And so, but you're like, okay, yeah, the love of God, the love of God. I I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, Folks, we don't get it. Um, And that's why we have to revisit this over again. I don't get it. I'm still trying to get it. And my hope is to just to help us all get it a little more. So if you've got your um, Bible app open, you got your Uver, and you got your little bulletin we set in your seat, we're going to go ahead and rock and roll with this. And the idea is that since God is love, uh, knowing God better means understanding His love better. We can't try to really understand God, to really know God better and trust Him more if we don't understand God's love better, doesn't know his love better, and trust his love better. If God can be boiled down into one word, one word descriptor, God cannot be boiled down into one word, but if you get rid of all of the other words, then we're going to leave one word to describe God. The scriptures say God is love. And so we need to understand that. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, Okay. Now, Ephesus, you have to understand, one of their main exports was these little statues, okay? And the, the, the god Artemis was their regional city god, okay? And it created a lot of uproar when Paul goes in and begins to preach in Ephesus. And they think, you're about to jack up our economy. 
You are gonna ruin our economy by saying there's one true God. He's the God Jehovah. He's not Artemis. And we make all these silver shrines, these little things that get sold and carried off all over the place. And you're gonna ruin our economy and you're gonna ruin our lives. And not just for, not just for spiritual reasons, but for very much just economic reasons, man. Uh, Paul ran into some major, major issues there. And so as he preaches, he begins to plant a church, he begins to raise up people, begins to raise things up. He's now in another spot in his journeys and he's writing a letter back to these people in Ephesus that he had personally helped plant and got that church rocking and rolling. He got that church going. And so he is now coaching them from a distance that he understands how hostile an environment these believers live in. That when they go over and begin to, to knock on their neighbor's house, when they bump into to their uh, neighbors at the grocery store and in the market and all of those different things, they begin to bring up the hope that lies within them. They're not just rocking the, these people's um, spiritual lives. They're not just rocking that world and, and shaking that up. They're rocking the whole economic fabric of this entire community. And so, yeah, people begin to bristle. And so they get, they're, they're, they're in a very hostile, hostile environment to begin. And man, but revival is breaking out nonetheless. People are coming to Jesus and understanding the liberty that, that exists in connecting with the God who created them, loved them, demonstrated that love, and poured, poured out in Christ. And the things are happening, but it is in a very hostile space. And here when we get into the third chapter, verse 18, Paul coaching these people, understanding what they're dealing with from a distance, he wants them to have this. He says, may they have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. He understands that these folks have to get how incredible and incredibly loving God is. That his, his, this multi-dimensional love, this love that is just so big, and I want you to see how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep it goes then you're going to need power to even begin to grasp this and understand it. And here you and I, especially if you've been in church for very long, you've been around the, the, the message of Jesus for very long, been doing this church thing for very long, we can very easily begin to hear this thing about, yeah, let's understand the love of God. Oh, how high and long and wide and all this kind of good stuff is the love of God and begin to kind of okay, let's move on and let's get down into the deep things of God. You know, let's go on into these other things, man. There, there's, there's, there's big, heavy stuff happening in our nation. There's big, heavy stuff happening in, in this. There's, there's all sorts of issues happening right here in our local community. And what are we gonna do? What does the word have to say about this? I guarantee you everything the word has to say is gonna jump out of the place of the love of God. Everything he does. And we can't sit there and just decide to just move on to that. Yeah, that's a thing. But all these other things begin to cloud it out. Uh, my my Meemaw, my grandmother, she's probably watching. Hello, Meemaw. I love you. And um, she, she's probably watching at home in Andrews, Texas right now. And uh, But my Meemaw told me a story. Um, 
couple years ago, uh, my grandfather had, uh, has, has since passed away and, and it's missed dearly, honestly. Um, but anyways, they were getting ready to go out to eat one evening. And as many wives do, um, want to, you know, go to their, their husband and say, hey, do I look okay? How, how do I look? And so she goes to my papa and says, do I look, how do I look? And his response to her was, you look great, um, but it's getting dark anyways. And so and she's like, Joe! And, and uh, anyways, and so, but it was like, yeah, you look great, but you know, it's about to be dark. Nobody's gonna see anything. And so, and, um, but we can easily, we can easily begin uh, to do that, to say, yeah, there's the love of God, but immediately begin to focus on what's getting dark. And so, so yeah, yeah, that's great, that's wonderful, but oh, it's about to get dark anyways. Man, the love of God is at work in our lives, but now that we're gonna focus on the darkness, we're gonna look, look over here, things that aren't quite going right. Well, yeah, God's love is, is, God is so loving. Well, what about this? If God is so nice and kind and, and active in our lives, what about this part of darkness? And what about this? I'm telling you the answer to every place of darkness is the love of God. When we begin to shine the love of God into those spaces, and we don't need to sit there and get overly fixated on the darkness that is showing up in our lives. We need to stay focused on the greatness of the love of God in our lives. As we begin to do that, God demonstrated his love for us. He wanted to make sure we got it. And he demonstrated it, and then he sent his son, Jesus. And we've got to be able to understand it. We can't move past it. We can't move beyond it. We can't go, yeah, God is love and God is loving, but what about? No, all of our but what abouts have to circle back to the truth of who is, who is his, how his love is. And so in the starting place for us to begin to try to grasp the magnitude of the love of God I don't think it's by any accident at all that, that Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pins that you may understand how wide, how wide is the love of God. And wide, it's our starting point. You see, understanding how wide is the love of God helps us to see how big God's love goes. Immediately, we want to see, and we we focus on horizons first and foremost. We're not necessarily a people that walks around looking up. We're inspired by majesty and all of a sudden these, these uh, mountains that penetrate our horizon and, and all of a sudden maybe skyscrapers that penetrate our horizon. But in general, our first go-to is not to look up. We don't initially first in anything look up, we initially always look out. In everything we do, it's just the way we're wired. And so as we begin to connect with the love of God and understanding the love of God and go and understand this, we're gonna have to understand how wide is the love of God. We're gonna have to understand that. And to understand that, we, to be able to get it, we have to understand why we need to get how wide is the love of God. And so, and... Um, my daughter, Brookers, Brooklyn, she's around here taking pictures somewhere. Um, when she was in uh, um, junior high, early high school, uh, Brooklyn loved the band Skillet. And so she absolutely loved the band Skillet. 
and there's just her absolute favorite band. Um, and so they're just a, just fantastic. I, I love Skillet. Um, but one of the inspiring things was that Skillet had a girl drummer. And Jen Ledger could just straight up drum. And so, and Brooklyn just loved that. And then she would sing and drum at the same time. And she's like sweating and singing and drumming. And it was just amazing. Well, we got to go to camp out in East Texas. And this camp brought Skillet in to the camp. And man, Brooklyn was, this was her first opportunity to get to see her favorite band. She was just giddy with excitement. She could not wait. Well, of course, like all of these, all of camp, it's got chairs. You're in a sanctuary. There's just rows and rows of chairs. And so we would sit as a block and we would never quite get in there early enough to like get the, the closest seats. We would try to get, and we would, but we would all sit together as a group. And, but we were never right there on the front row. We were always had to be back a little bit. And so, but when you are a panhead, which was what the Skillet fans were, they were panheads. So, and so when you're a panhead and Brooklyn was a total panhead, um, well, guess what? Being back on the fifth, sixth, seventh, 15th row was not good enough. You wanted to be on the absolute front row. You wanted nothing in between this amazing band. So, but they had the space open because their, their, their music is like intense and you got to move and maybe smash into people around you a little bit. And, and so uh, Brooklyn, immediately when there's going to be the concert part, man, she got up to her seat and she's normally, or at least especially back then, um, not that assertive, push my way to the front kind of person. Um, she has learned to uh, be a little more aggressive, um, but in uh, late junior high, that was not her personality. But man, it didn't matter. She was totally going for it. And so we were there and she finds her way and she begins to push her way and find her way to the front. And then here it is. It's the stage. It's skillet. There's the full band. The lights go off. The music kicks off. Awaken Alive is starting to, starting to play. And man, and she's just right there on the edge of the stage. She's, she's just, everything is right there. And I am kid you not, she is sitting there just totally rocking out one minute and crying the next minute. And then she's rocking out. And she's just so overwhelmed with emotion that she is getting to see right there. Not on YouTube, not from the nosebleed section, not from 15 rows back, not peeking through other people's heads and gaps, right there. She had a front row seat to this, to this amazing, amazing experience. God's love is wide enough that everybody gets a front row seat. Everybody. Everybody, you begin and we tend to think, okay, there are those who maybe they've, they do the right thing. Religion says, okay, you do the right thing. You, you get the VIP treatment. You get the front row. Maybe you even get the backstage pass. You get the little extra. You get the bonus. You get those things. But man, there are those who just should be happy. They're just in the room. There are those who, man, they don't really take this God thing that seriously, man. There are those that we would relegate to over there and over there. And you know what? Yeah, you're in the cheap seats, but guess what? 
You deserve to be in the cheap seats. You ought to just be excited you're in the space. You ought to just be excited you're in the room. And God still loves, says, nope, move over. Move over, make room. Make room, make room. No, no, everybody gets a front row seat, everybody. And as we begin to see how wide it is, you know, the, there's the one or two that are right next to us, we're not that surprised that God's love has embraced them. We're like, yeah, you're semi-close to me, uh, you get it, I get it. And then we look down a little bit and we're like, them? God, they get a front row seat too? Them? Are you serious? Why are they even here? I'm confused why you made them, Lord. Why are they, why are they even here? Oh! Are you serious? And we begin to see, because there are things we will automatically begin to cut people out. We will. Religion over and over and over again has been we're in and you're out. But guess what? Our message from day one, from day one has been God has loved you so much. He took care of everything. You're in and you don't even know it. You're in and you don't even know it. The message isn't that you're out and you can get in. The message is, is God put you in. Now believe it. Believe it. It's not that he sit there and, and made it where all of a sudden you can jump through some religious hoops. It's like, nope, you didn't care about me while, you, while we didn't care at all, Christ died. He demonstrated his love for us and then while we were yet sinners, while we didn't even know there was anything going on, he was making a front row seat. He was making a front row seat. He was making a front row seat so that we could all be in there. And all of a sudden, here's, here is why it's so vital we see the width of it. Because if there is a little bit of thing in there where we think that there's some of these cutoffs, then we think we're only here because we met some sort of obligation that we somehow we fall within this thing. And if that's the case, then we either get into a place of self-righteousness, which isn't looking fully to God and his righteousness alone, or at some point we don't meet the criteria and we just got bumped and now we're out and we'll feel alienated and condemned and away from God when we're not, when he's, he has demonstrated his love for us. And this is why you and I, you and I who are sitting here right now in the middle of church caring about God need to understand how much he loves the people who aren't here, who don't care who if we brought it up would, would spit at us and punch us in the face. That they would sit there and, and they would love to strip our rights to decree how good and loving God is. And if we don't understand how loved that person is, we don't get how loved we are. We don't get it. So the first thing we need to understand is how wide it goes. First thing we need to try to wrap our mind around is how wide it goes because it goes wide enough when we all get a front row seat, John 3, 16, the most known scripture on the planet. And you know what, folks? You know what? It didn't fall within the, the first paragraph of the New Testament. 
didn't fall within the first book of the New Testament. It didn't fall even within the, the red letters of Jesus. We read through Matthew, Mark, Luke. We finally get to John. We read through John chapter 1, John chapter 2. Finally, we get into John chapter 3. And when we get into this narrative where, where, where Jesus is talking to this guy, Nicodemus, who is a very religious man, very religious man, but was still hungry. And, we, and we, that's where we learn about being born again and all those different things. And right as John finishes up that narrative about Jesus helping this religious man understand the scope of the love of God and what it really means to trust him, the very first idea that comes to John's mind and he begins to pen out of quoting Jesus. He quit, goes from quoting Jesus to now writing this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we need to know the next one just as well as we know that one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. As we go through here, we see, for God so loved the world. Then we jump to verse 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This thing goes and goes and goes. It just carries on, which was crazy to a bunch of Israelites, to a bunch of Jewish people. In their minds, this only God's love and God's covenant was for them. And everybody was left out. Everybody else on the planet wasn't about the world. It was about their world. It wasn't about the world. And here is what is the problem is if we don't understand verse 17 as deeply as we understand 16. Because in, in those two places, there's four mentions of the, the, of the word world. And yes, we can sit there and we can embrace the first one. For God so loved the world and understand that. But if we don't stay with it, that he did not send the son to condemn the world, we will miss the next three mentions of the word world. And we will, we will, for all practical purposes, miss three quarters of the world. We will end up understanding that God loves a group of people, that God loves a big group of people. But if we don't understand this so deep, we will begin to, in our hearts, disconnect with the bulk of the world. And in a day where social media and all the stuff that's going on is making us more and more divided, more and more at each other's throats, more and more where we go, I just don't understand that group of people. I don't understand that thought pattern. I don't understand it. And therefore now I discount that person. I discount these different things and we begin to huddle in our quarter of the world and just thankful for that little quarter of the world that we do get and we do understand and we forget and we, we will alienate. Because what will end up happening is we will forget that God did not come into the world to condemn it, but we will find ourselves in the world condemning it. We will step into a role that Jesus didn't even come to do and he's the only one that had authority to do it. And we'll begin to step into that. That is not what the body of Christ has been called to do. 
I'm not saying we turn a, bl a blind eye to the mess and the chaos that's in our world. I'm not saying we get into the craziness of calling wrong right and right wrong. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is all of that stuff is wrapped up in people's lives. And if we don't understand those people have a front row seat to God, we will alienate them. We will. And so we have to understand how wide how wide this goes. Understanding how wide helps us to see how fully encompassed we are. There's a little thing that, you know, Cutie and I did when we were, when we were dating and then early married. And, and then as we uh, began to have kids and we would do this with them as well. But, you know, little, little kids will do the, do the thing of, you know, um, I love you this much. No, I love you this much. No, I love you this much. Just can't even reach anymore, and so and I would sit there and, and when Cutie and I were going, uh, we're, we're dating, and and uh, I'd say, uh, "Hey, Cutie, uh, I love you this much," and she was like, "That's rude," and I was like, "No, no, no, I love you from right here all the way around the world and back to here. I can't open up any uh, wide enough, so I'll give you two reference points, and it just goes and it goes." And we would just say, I love you this much. And we would do that to the kids. I love you this much. And then they were a little like, ah! and I'm like, no. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> and so my love is smushed. And so, um, and, uh, but I explain it to them and, and be able to help begin to see you can't wrap your mind around how big is the love of God. First John chapter four, verse 15 says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love and we know and rely on the love God has for us. That's why we have to begin to see how how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. We have to begin to do this. But before we move on, we need to see this. We have to get this, okay? Because then we say, okay, love, 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 love. Now we understand the love of God because God is love. But what it doesn't say is love is God. And we are very much beginning to be in a culture where we have raised now the idea of love to a God status. And just because God is love. So when we see him, we can fully understand love. But to say that love is God is wrong. Any more than we can say the sky is blue, but we can't say the blue is sky. So now here's all these blue chairs. So, hey, huh, we just found some sky. No. So we can't just say, man, all of a sudden, there are some places where I think I have found love, so therefore God's involved in this. I think I've found this place of, of, no, the enemy will come in and begin to manipulate needs, begin to nip, manipulate these different things. That's why we have to have our love defined by God. We have to. And it's just to say, no, love is what it's all about. And we begin to make love our God we'll begin to go off the deep end and, and get messed up and, and, and get all, all the way off. But we have to understand that our God is love. He defines love, he exudes love, he operates in love, and we have to make sure that we keep 
the things squared away the way they should be. Luke chapter 13, verse 24 says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. See, the way is narrow because the way is Jesus. The list is short. We're not sitting there and saying that, you know, that, well, you know, we just don't like Buddha because we don't, well, I, we don't like Buddha. So we get rid of Buddha and we get rid of this and we get rid of that and we're just exclusionary. No. The truth is, is there's only one way to the Father. Not that we're being closed-minded. Not that, oh, there's lots of paths to God. No, there's not. There's not. There's not. It's only, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. But it's only Jesus because only Jesus' love is wide enough to give everybody the front row seat. But it's only Jesus. But in Jesus, everybody, if we will come to him, acknowledge him, embrace what he has done, and be able to live in the good news that we are, have been forgiven. John 10 9 says, I am the door. If anyone <clears throat> enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Back to 1 John 4, 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So here is this, this place that no one comes to the Father except through me, but the offer is to all, anyone, anyone who will come through that door can get through that door. There's no log jam, there's no limit, there's no waiting line. We all get a front row seat to the love of God. And then understanding how wide helps us to see how fully encompassed others are. Not only does it help us see how fully encompassed we are, it helps us to see how fully encompassed others are. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. And man, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. It is so deep. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out <coughs> fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. <clears throat> Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I'm going to take this rubber band. I'm going to act like I'm in the fourth grade. I'm going to put this on nice and tight. If we begin to watch, that already don't feel good. <laughs> then now we've cut the circulation off. Well, my finger is not getting blood flow. <laughs> and we leave it there, and for now it's functioning and it's moving, and it's kind of already starting to change some colors. It's already looking a little different than the other three. And we begin to leave it there and leave it there and 
The rest of the body is being allowed everything that it needs. But this part, we cut off. This part, we cut the flow off. We cut the love off from that. Say, I'm going to give love to everything, but I'm not going to give love over here. I can function for a while with this. I can function for some days with this. But pretty soon, it's going to be white. Then it's going to begin to change and look at some purple colors. Then it's going to change some other colors. And then it's going to begin to get toxic. And then a hard decision is going to have to be made once it's actually the tissues have died. Then I actually have to undergo some surgery and I have to do with some different things. Because cutting it off, all of a sudden, not only did it hurt it, but now it put the whole body in jeopardy. Because if I don't deal with that, then the, then the gangrene, the blood toxicity, all of that puts the whole thing in jeopardy. Folks, this is why we have to understand. We cannot sit here and say, you know what, God, I get it, but they're just too hard to love, and I just, I just, I just can't. They hurt me too bad. They hurt somebody I love too bad, and sometimes that's the hardest one. I can forgive an offense against me, but you hurt somebody I love, and I'm just done with you. I'm just done with you. What do you think every time, every time you've ever been forgiven by God, those have been, you hurt somebody he loves. That pain that you have and not wanting to let that go because on behalf of somebody else, God did that for you. He forgave you when you hurt multiple people he loves. So guess what? You're going to have to let it go too. Because you know what happens when you finally do it? And you restore circulation. All the moms in the house are so thankful for me to do this. <laughs> Get it off my finger now. It restores life flow. And not only does now my finger get what it needs, that part of the body gets what it needs, but it restores health to my whole body. It allows it to begin to move forward and do what it needs to do. And folks, we cannot be healthy. We cannot be healthy until we understand how wide and how far. It's not enough for the heart to just take care and pump blood right here. Just keep the vitals going. It's got to pump it all the way to the end. All the way to the extremities. To be able to have life and health the way it needs to go. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the thing Jesus says, this is the only way the world's gonna see a difference is if you love each other. That's the only way. You can't have a cool enough graphic. You can't have a, a slick enough presentation. You can't write cool enough songs. You can't do anything to compensate for not loving. The only way they're going to know is if you love. In 1 Peter 4.8, it says, above all, 
love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. This doesn't say Jesus' love covers a multitude of sins. He says love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It's not saying embrace the love of God because God's love covers a multitude of sins. We already know that's taken care of. So guess what? There's place of love. We have to love even when people aren't good to us, even when people aren't right by us because love covers a multitude of sins. We're to love each other and cover a multitude of sins. We're to love one another, all the little places where we got sideways with each other, where so-and-so rolled their eyes at me. Can you believe they didn't respond to my text? Can you believe this or that or whatnot, any of the little petty stuff? So-and-so got the promotion and I didn't get the promotion. All of the little stuff we get sideways with each other and the big stuff, the painful stuff, the heart-wrenching stuff. If we understand how big his love is for us, we can let that kind of big love flow out of us. And that is what is gonna begin to change, not just the world, but change us. See, our bottom line is this. God's love is wide enough to give us all front row seat. And we have to see every person we meet, every person we meet as having a front row seat with God. Every person. No matter how they're treating you, they have a front row seat with God. And we begin to do that, that will begin to shift things. Folks, God's love is immeasurable in any direction you look. It just, just keeps going. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.